Who's ready for some word this morning? I said, who's ready for the word this morning? Amen. Open your word with me this morning to Malachi chapter 3. We will be there in just a moment. We've been on a series called Charged. I thought this was going to be about three weeks. We're on week seven this week talking about charged and uh, methods and things that God has given us to really plug into him to make the most out of this year so that not only are, are as we give ourselves to people, but he is feeding into us so we can stay charged. And we've been using the cell phone and talking about all of those things. All those are on our uh, podcast if you've missed any of those, so be sure you catch those. But we've been talking about these things about how we can stay plugged into him this year because there are, there are some battles that we're going to be facing this year. There are some wars that may be coming up against you in your life. And if your battery is not fully charged, it is so hard to fight at the capacity that you need to really win battles against, uh, against the devil. So we've been talking these last few weeks about how we can stay charged. We've been talking about uh, fasting. We, we talked about prayer too weeks we've talked about worship and the word and today we are talking about the principle of first the principle of first and this is a topic that um, that a lot of people as soon as pastors start talking about they immediately turn turn it off because um, so many times we have we have misunderstood scripture we have seen scriptures abused and things and whenever we start talking about our first fruit and how what that does to us and what God does in the heavens for us, sometimes a lot of people, especially Americans, we get kind of jittery and we get kind of thrown off by it. And we don't understand it. But today I'm talking about the principle of first. And I want to break this down in such a, a basic way for us that kind of breaks stereotypes and says what it really means for us today. Because this principle is, is specifically for you and I today. So we're talking about the principles of first. First, the principles of tithing and giving and what that means for you personally. I want to start with this statement today that says, and be sure you get this in your notes because this is what everything kind of goes off of, is that what God, uh, when God is first, everything else in your life will fall into proper place. When God is first, everything else in your life will fall into the proper place place. When God is first, everything else will fall into place in your life. Can someone say amen to that? That does not mean that you will never have problems. That does not mean that everything will be rosy and cute. It does not mean that, you're, that you will never have some high mountains to scale, some low valleys to crawl through. That is, that is not what that means at all. But when we put God first in our life, it sets us up for such a way to get through those things. Even the scripture says in John chapter 6, in verse 33, it says, in this world, guess what? You will have trouble and tribulations, but I have come and I've already overcome those things, but guess what? You will have some trouble. Look at your neighbor and say, you're sitting next to trouble today. You will have some trouble in your life. If you don't have trouble, your neighbor will have some trouble for you because it's just the way that life happens in this world, in this life, you will have trouble and you will have tribulations. We see uh, from the very beginning, beginning of scripture, we see God starting to set a precedence in his people's life about first, about about the first principle of heaven. From the very beginning of scripture, we start to see, um, 
we start to see God blessing the firstborn. It was this. It was. It was the first principle of heaven, where he was. Uh, he is the birthright uh, that we've talked about before. We, we start to see where God is blessing this first fruit. When when God would ask people to bring their firstborn son and bless them and consecrate him, and a lot of times the lineage would set that next king up for success. What they would do as a child. We. Start start to see this and then we see throughout uh, throughout history into throughout the Old Testament and in the New Testament as it starts to uh, talk about sowing and reaping we see this first principle concept of when God uh, throughout Old Testament would there would be ceremonies when God would ask his people to bring in the first fruits and it was symbolic not only of a covenant with them and their faith in them but it was also symbolic of, of, of what God was going to do in their future. They brought it knowing that God could do more with the 10% than they could with 100%. Amen? That is a principle of heaven. God can do more with your 10% than you can do with your 100%. That is a principle of heaven. And he, from the very beginning of scripture all throughout, we start to see these principles come into play. Uh, he's blessing the firstborn and he's asking for the first fruits because God not only wants you to receive from him, but he wants you to be involved in this process through giving. Um, about 80% studies say, a little over 80%, most people inherit their knowledge of giving, of, of saving, of the way they spend, of the way they shop. Over 80% inherit their, their giving and financial management from their parents, from their parents. And how many of you know that may not always be good? It may be good or it may not be that good at all. Some of you, you, you may have had some tightwad parents where they wouldn't give anybody a dime. Does anybody know anybody like that? They were greedy. They wouldn't share. They were hoarding it up. So now you may be that way or you may be the right opposite. You may be right opposite because you witnessed that. Or you may have been the, the child of someone who was just shopping like crazy. They had new cars and new homes homes and rings and the bling, but they but they couldn't make ends meet month to month. Does anybody know anyone like that? You may have been in a home like that, and now you are like that, or now you are right the opposite of what you witnessed. It says 80% of people, their giving and their spending and their finances is based on what they witnessed as a child. And many times, what we observe, uh, it may not be a, 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 a biblical standard. Understand this, that giving is all about the heart. Heart. Giving is all about the heart. God understands the power that money has on our lives. God understands the, the power that money has on our lives. Just think about the influence that money has on our lives. It will dictate, it can dictate what you wear. It can dictate, uh, it can dictate um, what kind of home you live in. It can dictate what kind of shoes that you have on. It can dictate whenever you get, whenever you get 80, if you want to have some surgery to tuck this or, or pull this up or look like you're always happy, you know, it may dictate that. Money has a lot of power on us. Somebody say amen. If you can't move your eyebrows, just say, I, I got you. I, 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 bless me, bless me, Lord. 
We understand. So money dictates a lot of things in our lives. It, it really does. And God understands that. That's why from the very beginning, he starts this process of, 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 of giving things up. He understands that money can make some people do some crazy things. How many of you know, just turn on the news and you can find money makes people do some crazy, crazy things. He understands the, the uh, passage in First. Timothy 6.10 that says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That was 1 Timothy 6.10. He understands that in a King James Version, I believe, says that the money is the root of evil. So he, he understands that. He also understands that money gives a way to a lot of people to do some great things, great charity, and do great things out beyond the walls of the church. Listen to this statement this morning. And... Um, uh, sometimes, as I've talked before, whenever a pastor starts talking about money, you have all these flashbacks of, of Tammy Faye Baker, and you have Jim Baker, and you have TBN, and you have... A, how many... Yeah, you're already thinking, oh, God, don't go there. Some of we, we, we our, our minds as Americans, whenever we start talking about this, we see Tammy Faye with her with, with, with the mascara running down Tammy's face. We see all of these things. Send $1,000 in right now, and God's going God's gonna to do something. We see all of these things, and so many times we in the church, Let's just be honest this morning. As soon as a pastor starts talking about these things, we just turn it off. And, and, and it, but, but this morning, I just want to bring this down to this basic concept of what God is trying to tell his people. Listen to this statement. God wants to be in the center of your finances. He really does. God wants to be in the center of your finances. He wants, God wants to help you manage your money. God wants to help you to manage your money. And it's so crazy that we sing about this and we pray about God be the center of my life. But usually, I say 99% of the time, giving is the last thing that we give to God. Giving our, our finances, they are the last thing that we just turn over to the Lord. Can somebody say amen? Because so many times it's that fear. It's that, well, I need that 10 more dollars. I need that 100. I need that. I don't know. And so many times that fear gets us from, uh, is the last thing that we just turn over to God. Why does God want to be in your money? Why does God want to be in your finances? Why? Why does God want to be the center of your checking account? Because he also understands that Matthew 6, 21 says that for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. The things that you are just throwing money to, the things where you, you put all of your treasure, that is really where your heart is, Scripture says. Your heart and your passion is wherever your money and your possessions are. And God being after your heart, so that's why he speaks about tithing on the first fruit, giving that first tithing to him and we'll talk about that in just a moment that's why he speaks of giving because he wants to be in the center of your all and how can he tell if he's the center of your all the center of your heart he can tell that by where your treasure is huh he can tell that by where your treasure is. That's why he's asking us and giving these, this, this, this really basic heavenly principle about how this relates to us today. Jesus talked, you, you, this, is, this is really crazy. Jesus talked about money and possessions more than any other topic in the gospel. Isn't that crazy? Jesus. 
talked about money, possessions, sowing, reaping, that whole heavenly principle more than any other topic in the Bible. 16 out of 38 parables, guess what? They are about possessions, money, and sowing. 288 verses in the New Testament. A lot of people think giving is an Old Testament principle. 288 verses in the New Testament are talking about finances and possessions and sowing. Get this. 500 verses in the Bible talk about prayer. Over a thousand verses talk about finances, possessions, and sowing. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that somewhat amazing, crazy, bizarre how important we know prayer is? We've been talking about it for two weeks. Uh, all those are on the podcast. If you didn't catch those, be sure you get those. We've been talking about prayer these last two weeks. But isn't it crazy uh, just, just to think about this number that 500 verses in the Bible talk about Prayer, over a thousand are talking about finances and possessions and sowing. Why? Could it be that God knew the struggle between man, faith, and money would be more difficult than having a desire to pray? Wow. Could it be that? We know how hard it is to pray. There's a lot of people that sitting in this room, you may have not prayed in a week, month, time. It's not the funnest thing to do. We know how hard it is to pray. But over several times more verses that he's talking about, could it be that God knew that this would be a struggle for the world with man, faith, and money more than it would be to pray? Malachi 3, let's get to the verse today. This is a well-known passage of Scripture when discussing uh, giving and fruit. Malachi 3, verse 8 through 10 it starts off with, you may have heard this, some people say this, will a man rob God? And he replies, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have, you, have we robbed you? He responds, through tithes and offerings. You are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even the whole nation. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. This is his word. So many of us, we've heard this talk about, will a man rob God? And sometimes during tithes and offering, this is, this is kind of brought up to us, talking about, uh, are you robbing God if you're not doing this? And I've heard it taught that you are robbing God, and if you don't give the tithe, the first 10% of your income, your first fruits... And I understand that mindset, and I understand that concept, but I really want to look at this a different way other than us robbing God from the money. Could it mean that when, a, when, when he asks, will a man rob God because you did not bring your tithes and offering, he says you are cursed. Could it be that he is saying, will a man rob God of the opportunity to bless him? Because guess what? God really does not need your money. Look at your neighbor and go, Shoo. God really does not need your money. 
Somebody say amen. He's God. The streets in heaven are gold. Somebody say hallelujah. There are walls of jasper. Read Revelation and it breaks down all the jewels that are in heaven. He has enough gold for us all. If he ever goes short, he can melt down a street and fix America just like that. That is our God. He does not need your money. And I say that because a lot of preachers will not tell you that. Somebody say amen. God doesn't need it. He is God. When God is in something, he will provide for it. Amen? He doesn't need that. See, it's like he's saying, why are you robbing me of the opportunity to bless you? Let's break this down. What does this mean? Don't rob me of the opportunity to bless you. It's like he's saying, yes, I want to bless you. I would love to bless you. I would love to open up the windows of heaven. If you ever hear anybody talking about the windows of heaven, it is directly related to giving on earth. He says, I would love to open up a window of heaven. I would love to pour you out a blessing. I would love for it to be so big that this room, Legacy Church, could not even contain it. Amen? I would love for that to happen. But because you will not do it my way, but because you bring, but because you will not bring me the first fruits, because you only give me the crumbs, you are robbing me of doing that for you. You are robbing me from blessing you. See, prayers are an invitation to God to come into your situation. We've been talking about that. Prayer is an invitation to God to come into your situation. But your tithe and your offering are an invitation for God's blessings to come into your life. Your tithe and your offering, they are an invitation for God's blessings to come into your life. I'm going to tell you something else that a lot of pastors and preachers will not tell you. All blessings of God are not rooted in tithe and offering. Somebody say, praise the Lord. He blesses those who do not have to give. That's our God. He makes a way where there is no way. Thank you. I thought that was, I thought a window was opening from heaven. That's what it sounds like. I thought I was in Mario land or something. Doing, doing, doing. Where was I at? <laughs> Blessings from heaven. He wants to open it up for us. And he doesn't need your money to operate heaven. He does not need that. God did not invent tithing to support the kingdom of God. A lot of pastors will not tell you that. He did not invent it that way. Does he use it that way? Yes, he does. He will, whenever you are blessed and you bless the church and you bring it into the storehouse, he will, he will open up the heavens for you. He, will do, he does that. But he did not invent this first, this first fruit concept just because he needed some money. See, when God is in it, he will supply it. Amen? He will make it happen. He is God. We've talked about the streets of gold. Guess what? God, if God wants to, God can send ravens to you to feed you. It's in the Bible. If he wants to, guess what? Nobody's money bought those ravens. 
The ravens come down in your season of distress and they can feed you. It was like the first Uber Eats. It was the first delivery system. Ravens from heaven were coming down. Why? Nobody paid for them. Nobody paid for the food. God made the raven to feed you. If God wants it to happen, he can do it without you. Guess what? If God wants to provide something, guess what? He could rain down manna from heaven. There was nothing that cost, there was, there was no, there was not a quarter. There was nothing that was sown that made that rain down. But he wanted this for his people. So he rained down manna from heaven every single day. Guess what? The Israelites were not eating leftovers. Somebody praise God. They did not eat leftovers. He said he rained down manna every day for them. Leftovers are from Satan. It's, it's in the Bible. Somewhere. If he wanted to make a way for you in the land of dry land, guess what? He could bring water from a rock, the scripture says. Guess what? He made the rock. He put the molecules of the water together. If he wants to provide for his people, he will do it because he is God. But you need to get this. God did not invent giving for his sake. He invented it for our sake. Mm. And that's a misconception. He did not invent it for his sake. He invented it for our sake. What does this mean? Verse 9 says that you are cursed with the curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. What is the opposite of blessed? It's cursed. He said, even the whole nation, the whole nation, guess what? Have you seen this nation's debt calculator lately? It is so big, I can't even say the number. I don't, I don't even know how to say that number. And it is going way up every single day. Is this in correlation with the word? He says, guess what? Not only the nation, let's look at the church. We ask, why are so many churches broke, busted, and disgusted? Why is the church as a whole in America in financial shackles? Get this. George Barner Research, this right here, may get you. In the last five to eight years, tithing fluctuates between only 7 and 10% of church attenders giving to the church. Wow. Wow. Seven to ten percent. I used to be good in math. Let's do some simple math. If there are 100 people in your church and 10% gifts, how many does that mean are giving? Ten. Wow. Ten out of every hundred people. If there are a thousand in there and they are at a 10% rate in that, in that organization, in that church, that means only 100 out of a thousand people are, are, are giving to that church. Listen, knowing these numbers and knowing this scripture, we can find the answer to the question why the church in America is in financial ruins. We don't need a lot of research for that. Let's just look at the numbers. And we realize this all while God is standing there saying, I'm giving you an opportunity every payday, every week for a blessing. I'm giving you an opportunity on the 1st and the 15th for a blessing. I'm giving you the opportunity, but then you tie my hands up and you want to push me off to the end. And then you blame me that you have nothing to give at the end of the month. 
Mm. You have nails done. You got your tan on. Your weave is ready to go. Your outfit is good. You got new pumps. Guess what? Because your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And then you get to the point, oh, God, I'm going to give you something, but I got I to gotta, I gotta get my new do. I got to get my highlights, the low lights, mid lights. I got to get it all. Then I got to come over here. And I got to do this, and I got to do that. And then we get so upset at the end that we have nothing. Wow. God is saying, this is such a basic principle. And if you would just get it into your life, I could totally revolutionize something for you, for the church, and for the world. He said, I can do this for you, but you've got to understand, God is saying, don't rob me of the opportunity to do something amazing for you. Verse 10 says, bring all the tithes, the first 10% into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Listen, and he says, and try me now. Wow. Bring it into the storehouse. And he says, just try me. Huh. This is one of the few times nothing else really pops off in my head where, where, where God just specifically says, try me. Do this and try me. Kind of like he says, I dare you. I double dog dare you. Triple dog. You know, when you're a kid, you just triple dog, quadruple dog dare you, whatever that means. He said, I'm just daring you. Get a hold of this principle and try it out. He says, because when you do, then I will open up the heavens for you. I will open up the windows for you. This is one of those won't he do it moments where he says, just try me. When he says this, because when you do, he says, I'm going to pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. In other words, I will bless you in such a way that you will have too much for yourself, that you will actually have something to give away. Wouldn't you love to give something away to somebody? He says, if you really want to do this, he said, this is the method. He said, I want to bless you in such a way. Guess what? It confuses your enemy. He says, I want to bless you in such a way that the onlookers have to take a double look. I want to bless your church in such a way that guess what? There's no way to explain what is happening other than it was the Lord. He says, I just want to do it for you, but don't rob me of this blessing. You will not have room to contain it. Why? Because it's for your well-being, and whenever it's for your well-being, he can do so much more through you. But when you do it God's way, he's saying, I will bless you so that you can bless more. I will give you more now, not so that you can hoard it, it up but so that you can give more some things that God asks you to do just does not make sense on this earth there are a lot of things that activates the blessings of God that are just like that they just do not make sense on earth because they are a heavenly principle literally a principle of heaven It is a supernatural principle. In the natural realm, it does not look right. It it sounds crazy. That's why even it's reversed. There are things in heaven, there are principles, and they look down at things that we are doing, and they think we are crazy because they do not understand it is written. Why are they doing that? It's because it is a supernatural principle. It is a principle that God has ordained from heaven. He says, from heaven, that's where it will pour out. Just like the disciples that day, they were on the boat fishing, had caught nothing. Nets are empty. Fish boats everywhere. Everybody's nets are empty. 
Everybody's in a competition, and they're trying to hurry up and catch the fish so they can take it to the market first and be the first there so they can sell their fish first. The disciples are here. Jesus just happens to be there, and he says, hey, cast your net to the other side. Can't you just see the disciples there? These are professional fishermen. And now this carpenter's son steps in and says, hey, I know you've already been over here. I know you've been doing that. But just, come on, just, just do it over. It was so little. It, it, it did not make sense how fish wouldn't bite here, but you can just get hundreds of fish. It made no sense whatsoever. I don't get it, Jesus. They're not biting over here. They're not going to bite there. No, 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 you don't understand. He's, you got to understand this. It was not about the act. It was about the obedience. It had nothing to do with the net. It had nothing to do with their lure. It was all about obedience to his word. It doesn't make sense on earth because it's a heavenly principle. And finally, they became obedient and they cast their nets. And this Bible says, what happened? They cast their nets and they're pulling them out. This is crazy. And all of a sudden, it gets so heavy. They just keep pulling um, net after net. They are, their, their, their boat is just full of fish that are flipping and flopping, and they just keep on. Can you imagine the onlookers that have been out there all day? Now they are looking at this boat that had nothing, and now it is full of fish. And the word says that they just kept pulling it, and guess what? It said that there were so many fish. What happened? The net broke. In other words, the net could not contain everything that God had for them. Why? Because of their act of obedience. Their act of obedience. It was that simple. See, I want that to have, I want that to be our testimony as a church. Can somebody say amen? I want that to be your testimony. I want that to be our testimony. When people hear our story, I want that to be our testimony. When people are looking on our pictures on Facebook and they're trying to figure out if they want to come here or not, they want to try to figure out what everybody looks like. They want to see what everything is, they're just kind of being nosy, or maybe they're or maybe they're shopping on Facebook. They want to know what everything's going on. I want that to be our testimony. Whenever people start to, whenever people get there and they're asking what's going on over there? Oh, oh, it must be because they've got a new sound system. Oh, it must be because they're they're just reaching out to everybody with those worldly lights behind the pastor today. Oh, it must be because because they've got that new music and I, we do have the best music in town. I will, I will vouch for that because somebody say amen. We've got that. Oh, it must be because that pastor, he can't keep nobody's attention. He can't preach, so he's got to get up and eat steak in front of everybody. He's just out there tickling their little ears, and it ain't, ain't even in the gospel. That's when I want our testimony to be, no, no, you don't understand. I can't explain it, but God just spoke it, and we were obedient, and it was the Lord who was doing it for us. No, 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 no. Yeah, they may have some lights and that he may eat steak, but guess what? It was the Lord who did it because of their obedience. That's what I want our testimony to be. That's what I want your testimony to be. And the next verse in 11, it says, get this. He says, and I will rebuke the devourers for your sake. Another reason this is not about him. Another piece of evidence that this giving is not about him. He says, I will devour them for your sake. He doesn't say, I will devour them for the kingdom's sake. 
No, no, no. He says, I will devour them for your sake. He doesn't say for the kingdom's sake. He doesn't say for my sake. No, he says, he says I will devour, uh, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He's saying this is all about you. The principle of giving is not that he needs some money up in heaven, but it is a release of blessing for you. It is for you. Listen to this. Let me use one of my worldly illustrations today. A window. is in heaven. There are windows in heaven. And this this is going to mess with some of your theology. There are windows in heaven that prayer will not open. There are windows in heaven that prayer will not open. There are windows in heaven that fasting will not open. Wow. There are windows in heaven that your worship cannot penetrate. Wow. There are windows in heaven that are waiting for you to understand and be obedient to the principle of first. And the only way those windows will open will be through your obedience in giving. Wow. There are windows that prayer cannot open. He says, but when you step out of fear, when you step out of questioning and you step into faith and you put me where your treasure is. In other words, I have all valves of your heart and you put me in that place of the first fruit. He says, this is what I will do for you. I will open up the window. I will look at my angels I will gaze at the elders up in heaven and I will give them the nod. Open up the window and pour out a blessing. Can somebody say amen? I will literally, it will, the windows of heaven shall open over you. And it will be so much for you that you will not be able to contain the blessing. It will literally fill this place up. He says, whenever you get, when a church starts this principle, he said, do you want to know how you can fill every seat up? 
Do you want to know how you can knock, you, how, how you get to the place where you want to knock the wall out because you've got to make some room? He says, just open up the window for me and I will pour you out a blessing. I will fill every pew. I will fill every square inch of the altar with people that need me. I will pour out blessings from heaven that this room will not be able to contain it. It's like the verse in Ezekiel whenever there, the water is rising in the temple and it starts off ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep until it finally is over his head and it says that it was flowing out of the church. The walls of the church could not contain it. Wow. Because a window in heaven was activated by obedience in first principles. Wow. But this is the problem. A lot of us We've been, pray, we've been waiting for a man. We've been, we've, been, we've been praying for a man to open up a door for us. We've been praying, open up a door, open up a door. When God says, no, 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 hon, you don't need a door. All you need is a little window. And I can do more than with a little window in heaven than a man can do with an open door on earth. He says, if you would just be obedient to this and get this basic principle, you've been praying for the wrong thing. You've been looking for the door to open. He said, but if you would just realize that there is a window in heaven that has your name on it and it's waiting for you, if you could just come to that realization, he said, you would not need a man to open up a door for you. Can somebody say amen this morning? He says, and it starts with your obedience. I'm going to tell the story that I've told a hundred times to you all. And I'll tell it again until I die. Because I have seen the power of tithing. I have seen it with my own eyes. When last January, we were trying to, we didn't even have a building yet. We had about two more months to go. We didn't own a thing except we had a folding table. We had a banner. We had a few chairs. We had a few name cards that we're on the side of the street telling people about Legacy Church. And they're like, where's it going to be? And they're like, I'm like, oh, we don't know. You should come. And they're like, you're crazy. I'll just keep walking. We're out there like a bunch of crazy people. Come to Legacy Church. Where's it at? I don't know. Just come. Follow us on Facebook. Come on. That's what we were doing. Crazy. We didn't even have, uh, we, we, no. We had nothing except for a folding table and a banner that said Legacy Church. I had business cards on it that didn't even have an address. Sitting in a conference, a conference called Signs and Wonders. God said, I want you to go back to your church. You've got 40 some odd thousand dollars in your bank. And you need to spend all of that in a couple of weeks on sound equipment and chairs. I want you to go back and I want you to tithe. I know you need about 60 more thousand, but you need to go back and 
get a check between four to $5,000. I was like, it was one of those times when God tells you to do something and it just hurts your stomach. I thought, this, this, this is crazy, Lord. I, I, I've got to have like $60,000 in a matter of weeks. This is crazy. Why am I going to give almost $5,000 away? Why? When I, need, when I need 40 to 60 more, God, what, what? And he's like, you're not going to understand it. It's a heavenly principle. I'm not asking you to understand it. I'm just asking for your obedience. So I come home. Maria was keeping our books at the time. I was like, give me a check. Just don't ask questions. We're, we're supposed to do this. We sign off on it. I get the check. I look at it. I look at it while I'm driving to the place to sew it into the ministry where God told me to give it to. I fold it up. I put it in my pocket. I push it way down in my pocket. I'm sitting there sweating bullets in this pastor's office telling him I'm about to give him $5,000. I'm sitting here. I'm like sick as a dog. And I'm sitting here. I'm waiting for my ram in the thicket. I'm like, this is my Isaiah. Lord, you know, come on, send it. Where's it at, Lord? Where's the ram in the thicket? And it was in my pocket. And I took it out. And I know I was, I was just like this, like, and I handed it to him and I told the story what God has spoke to me. And he just began to cry and say, God is about to open up a window. He said, it's going to be favor. I remember like it was yesterday. He said, it's going to be favor from God. He said, in this window, it will not be fair to the onlookers but it will be God's favor on your life and he's crying I'm crying I'm crying because the money's gone he thinks I'm being spiritual <laughs> I receive it Lord get in my car still sick as a dog but guess what as soon as I handed that check to him the check did not even get into the bank yet. And God looked at the elders in heaven and God nodded to the angels, open up that window for Legacy Church. Somebody needs to thank the Lord this morning. And a window opened up and in a matter of four to so weeks, every penny came in. I did not have to ask for one of those pennies. I don't even know who gave that money right now, honestly. All I know is that within a few weeks, every penny came flooding through the windows of heaven. Somebody needs to grab hold of this principle today. I 
I have tasted and I have seen. And the principle of first, it works. It is good. And I, and I had been there and I was sitting there driving to this church. And all I could think about was I had been dumped by this organization. This organization said they weren't going to help. They said they would help. Then they said they're not going to help. I'm sitting here having a pity party. And God, I said, you don't even understand it. I am working something out in the heavens that makes no sense on earth. And he said, son, I am doing it because you don't understand. He said, what you are, what you did that day is you set a principle in how the rest of the days for Legacy Church shall work. He said, you don't even realize it yet. He said, there are people in your church you've not even met yet. The, that is going to come under this principle. He said, what you did before the doors ever open is you begin to set a principle in how I will provide for your church. He said, you set a standard before your people on how I will operate. And he said, I am doing this for you. He said, because whenever you get on that stage and you've been there a year and the, and the, and the, and the numbers say you should only have 100 people and statistics, and statistics say over 60% of your launch team should have left you already praise God we have succeeded all those numbers we have we have defied the odds there somebody needs to praise the Lord he said but when you stand on that stage next month in March at one year he said I am doing this all for you so whenever you look back you don't have to say thank you to this denomination thank you to this organization thank you to this organization he said you can stand there and say it was the Lord who opened up a window because of an act of obedience somebody Somebody ought to praise the Lord with me this morning. Stand with me. Come on.
I thank you today, oh God, that your promises are yes and amen. God, and I thank you for last January just speaking to my heart and setting the standard on how this church should operate. You are setting the standard on how you will provide every need that we need. You will provide every person in every chair because of what happened long before the doors ever opened, God. You are setting a standard and it's all according to our obedience. Today, I speak this word to you today. Not to make you feel bad if you're not giving. Not to bash you over the head with scripture as people have done in the past. But I speak this word to you as a shepherd who wants the best for the sheep. And how good would a shepherd be if they knew such a basic heavenly principle and would not take the time to break it down for their sheep? God really convicted my heart because we've been going almost a month and I have not said, I've not preached a word about giving. And as I was praying about this series, God just really spoke to me and said, you cannot expect them to receive this gift until you teach about it. You can't be looking at numbers and saying, well, only this percent gives. Why aren't they giving? God just really spoke to me and said, you cannot you cannot be mad or you can't look at the numbers and say, oh, we need this much until you start to teach the basic principle of giving. So I speak this to you today with a heart of a pastor because I want what is best for you because when what is best for you, it overflows to what is best for this church. Amen. So I want you to see my heart I understand the abuse of some of this scripture. I understand that some of you have been in situations, mismanagement, and you've been sitting there and you're like, I don't understand it. I'll, I'll never give again. And, we have, and so many times it has been abused. But guess what? Grace and mercy has also been abused. And we keep running to grace and mercy. This right here is a principle that God is saying. If you could just understand it, there's a window. I will open because where that treasure is I could tell where your heart is I will pour out a blessing that their heart cannot contain it I will pour out blessings that their home cannot contain it if they would just make some room for me if they would just make some room in their hearts for me, if they would just make some room in their finances, if they would just make room and put me first, if they would just make some room, he said, I would do these things for them. But I've been robbed of an opportunity while they're waiting for a man on earth to open up a door when I can open up a window in heaven. We make room for
for you today, oh God. We make room for you today in our hearts. We make room for you today in our treasure. We make room for you in our finances. We want to make room for your blessings. We want to make room for you in our blessings. Because we want to see that window open over our lives. We want to see that window open over our children. We want to see that window open over our church. We want to see that window open up over our city, oh God. We want to see that window open over this nation, God. It's a window that prayer can't open. It's a window that only giving can do. Our obedience. Let's sing this today. Let's sing this over us today. sing it over this church this morning we thank you today oh God we thank you today here comes the glory of the Lord here comes open up the windows of heaven here comes the glory of the Lord sweeping
Lord, I pray over every home today. I pray over every person today. God, I pray, Lord, that they put you first in their life today. And as your word says, do this and just test me. God, meet them there at their obedience today, oh God. Meet them there. Lord, I declare that someone is stepping out of fear today. Someone is breaking free from the stereotypical things that they've heard and read. And God, but today, God, they are stepping into you today. And they're coming into a new covenant with you, oh God. I thank you for all that you have done and all that you are going to do today to them and through them in their life today. Obedience. It's about us. And I thank you today that I have the opportunity to be a part of an open window, oh God. I thank you. I thank you. Can we put our hands together for the Lord today? We thank you today. Remember to register your kids. For the upcoming events, remember March the 1st, one service at 10, and we'll see you next Sunday at 9 and 11. Remember, love God, love people, and let's leave a legacy this week. God bless you.